All right, welcome to Colcast. I'm Logan, and then on the show with us today we have Kia. Hi, Kia. Hi, Logan. How's it going? Good. How about you? Also pretty good. Thank mm-hmm. you for coming on the show. I'm going to ask you all sorts of healthcare stuff, but um, first I want to know more about like what you do really. Like I get the sense that you're like healthcare, IT, security management generally, but like what right now? I guess. Yeah, so I have a background in uh, systems administration and teaching. I also, a lot of the certs that I've just gotten lucky enough to get this year are focused on auditing. So that really comes into play. I'm a security program manager. So I take requests from clients. I look at governance frameworks, just regulations out in the field like HITRUST, HIPAA, um, ICPA's SOC 2 regulations. Um, and I build a roadmap out of that to see where the company is now, a good gap assessment to see where we can be in the future. And then, um, I don't know, it really trickles down. So you have to know kind of how long it takes to set up a system, what kind of man hours it takes to run that system, the total cost of ownership. Um, you know, it doesn't make sense to implement this before that. So I don't know, day to day, it's a lot. And then also because of the auditing background, they have me doing random things sometimes, like just trying to save $50,000 here or there. Yeah. Oh, wow. Just yeah. like, hey, how do you save us a little bit of money? You're like, you like boring things. You like looking <laughs> at stuff and highlighting things. Do it. <laughs> so. Man. I mean, you must have a tolerance for boring things. I've seen like all the certs you've been studying for recently. Yeah. They don't sound like the most fun, but I mean, yeah. they make the money, I guess. I got pretty lucky with that. Like I applied for the SANS work study and they saw a manager in my title. So they gave mm. me GSTRT and GISP. Uh, to do and GISP is like their way of studying for the CISSP Uh, and then of course my company didn't need that because they hired me as a manager so it's just kind of nice to have this energy coming together where literally the universe is like forcing me to do something good (laughs) for my company and me they are they're boring though (laughs) (laughs) I just wanted to get that out there and the books I mean that kind of goes with any industry cert the books are so thick and intimidating Mm -hmm. and tiny text and yeah how many certs right now in parallel, like three, I think that you said you're studying for right now? Yeah, I just passed the GSTRT. So I've got GISP and CISSP, which I don't know. They're like the, it feels like cheating to say they're two different things. And then CISM is coming up in uh, February. Dang, that's a lot of work. I mean, I like bundling them though. Like uh, last oh, like they're year. they're so similar. Yeah, last year I did GCIH and then a couple of classes on DFIR and like, it was like basically studying for the same thing. Like it's it's cheating almost. Yeah. So. <laughs> That's a nice way to look at it though. Like, oh, I'm already working on this thing. I might as well get the exact same sort of cert. How many certs like total do you have right now? Are you like decked out with initials? Um, I don't know. The CompTIA ones, now that they bundle, I just count them as one. Um, I have like a Microsoft cert four GX certs. Probably an absolute total if I like unbundle them, it's like 11. Okay. Yeah. Any of them that you like regret, I guess, or, or feel like they were a waste of time or money or... Dude, I hate Microsoft certs. Really? I, I love Microsoft. Like I'm a total stan and like I really love being an active directory admin. Like it's one of my favorite things. It hones in on like my pedantry and my need for order and checkboxes, but like trying to pass a test with Microsoft, they pull out the most random things you're never gonna use. It's like page 389 in the book. Like, of course I didn't memorize that one stupid one-off scenario. It's not open book? No, I, oh. I I failed like two or three in a row and like really questioned my life. I was like, man, I should I should open a yarn store because <laughs> technology is not for me. I've considered just quitting security and going and being a shepherd in Spain. 
I oh, was, Spain is always where I want to go. Yeah, Spain's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, and like being a shepherd sounds pretty lit. I was talking to my aunt the other day. Apparently, they're now breeding sheep to have less wool. Yeah. Because like all the wool that we use today is uh, synthetic. So it just saves a step because now all the sheep are for meat. So they just like, let's get them without wool. Ah, man. Spain. Sometimes it's weird to think that you can get like a sweater and meat out of the same animal. Yeah. When you said that, it just brought it home. And humans are even more impressed. You can get like sweaters, meat, computers out of us. Leather. Leather. (laughs) You have any people leather? (laughs) (laughs) So in addition to the... uh, to like the IT certs and stuff that you've been studying for. I've seen you've been also reading like a lot of management books, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, there was Death by Meeting. Yeah. And then a few others. You were like pouring through them, right? Yeah, I still am. Sometimes I just get so bored. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so with the GSTRT, I'm pretty sure I got to sit that with Russell Eubanks. And he was just throwing out recommendations like faster than I could write them down. And then I get to the end of those books and they're just filled with more books to read so oh, wow I, I bought every single one that was on the list and i've just been kind of going through them and giving them away at work i don't <laughs> know it's it's kind of like bragging rights like my like executives come up and they're like oh i loved this one from harvard business review i'm like <laughs> me too <laughs> <laughs> i've also read that book oh. <laughs> yeah i hold my pinky up to my mouth and go like dubious okay <laughs> my dentist was talking to me about a book and i was like i've read that too like, oh wow oh. Uh, thanks dentist <laughs> uh, me a fellow intellectual <laughs> maybe i should be a dentist <laughs> <laughs> good in spain yeah so uh any books that you'd like really really recommend like top of your list um <sighs> I don't know. So management wise, I think the best ones you can read are based around actual psychology and um, social engineering. Yeah. Honestly, if you can't read somebody, you can't deliver what they need. You, you're not going to be able to coach them or, or find out like the root of a conflict. So I think those are honestly the best. Anytime you're reading like something about just meeting governance, uh, it's hard to actually attach that to a real human. But still, I mean, any good director or manager... They, they should know how to run like a decent meeting or like do some measurements, metrics, KPIs, like good report. I don't know. But honestly, the, the most important ones are the security or sorry, <laughs> social engineering, psychology. So it's less specifically on management and more just like people interactions. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to be because uh, there's two types of managers, there's people managers and thing managers. I'm hmm. solidly a thing manager right now. Um, but to, to actually be good at people managing, you just really have to know what people need. otherwise they're just going to be frustrated and and quit (laughs) that's fair yeah yeah i've been reading uh creativity inc which is a book by one of the guys oh you've heard of it yeah the pixar manager guy and i was really into it at first but it slowly started to like sort of devolve into just like pixar lore which wasn't as interesting to me as like what i picked up the book for which is managing creative types (laughs) So I was like, uh, I mean, this is good information, but I really don't care about like why you decided on a cowboy and a spaceman for Toy Story. Like, yeah. And it kind of got into the weeds with that stuff. But it's nice. Like reading is good and not enough people do it, I think. Yeah. There are people I know who uh, won't pick up like a novel. Um, yeah. only, and it's cool that they can just sit down and read a textbook in one sitting when it's like, man, are you having fun with life? Are you okay over there? <laughs> Miss studying for four certs at the same time. <laughs> oh, man. I, I think about that constantly. I'm, I'm on Reddit and TikTok any minute that I'm not doing work or studying. And honestly, probably minutes that I should be doing work and studying. Like, <laughs> I like to think of what my potential would be if I didn't 
just like i don't know go really deep into the luigi's mansion rabbit hole yeah and get yeah. every last coin <laughs> <laughs> all the nice shiny gems and stuff yeah i'm like i could have probably learned how to like program and put out a cool tool or like everybody always asks like how many cvs have you published as like a clout chasing thing and like, yeah i could have put maybe yeah if i wasn't memorizing memes 24 7. i think about that stuff a lot yeah. yeah it's like i love movies but a two-hour movie that's two hours i could spend like learning to play the piano or something but then i end up watching like seven hours of like trash tv like yeah. pure trash trash tv is the most entertaining though man it is that's how they get us that's yeah. how the man gets you <laughs> <laughs> so you probably are saving time though with not having to do the whole teaching thing anymore, right? Oh, that really taught me. So the teaching thing was a uh, 20 to, th well, all right. So it was marketed to me. Someone reached out and they're like, hey, would you like to teach? And I was like, yeah, I love teaching about and security, sure. Uh, and they said it would probably be about three hours for the class, an hour and a half for office hours, like before and after class, three days a week. Mm -hmm. I was like, that is hardcore attainable. Like yeah. I can do that. Um, but the thing with their program is they have amazing success with their coding boot camps. So they decided to branch out and do cybersecurity. Dude, condensing cybersecurity into a six month boot camp where you're only meeting like 10 hours a week is pff, a tall order. There's so much assumed knowledge when you get into security. Mm -hmm. yeah. And we had like every range of person. Like one dude was a, a BMW mechanic and one dude just finished his degree in mechanical engineering. Like you cannot get farther than that. Um, they were all like really adept students, but like sometimes you get to the point where they ask like a seg faulty question, like, I don't know, like how old is Apache? And you have to sit there and like, I want to honor this question because he asked it, but like yeah. it is a three hour class on lamp stacks. So like I kind of have to go real fast. Yeah. I would spend probably like two to four hours a, a class, like just trying to jam in resources into the slides, trying to get through all these random questions that somebody who's never even touched a command prompt might ask in the course of learning how to bash script. Like it, it was a lot more work than I thought. And it really taught me like, yeah, you can, you can absolutely do four certs at once, dude. Like you yeah. were not using your time before, <laughs> like in any rational way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, technology is weird like that though. Like to get somebody up to speed with like real cutting edge security, you have to be so laser focused on like a specific thing. Mm -hmm. Like people that are finding these O days in like Windows OS, I mean, they don't, they probably don't know too much about Linux and they probably don't know too much about web apps or the cloud. Cause it's like, no, I spend every waking minute focused on Windows security. Mm -hmm. So, and I mean, people are like learning so young now too, like, um, this Girl Scouts thing I was doing, people are coding in like third grade now. Mm -hmm. It's pretty wild. I saw this kid who just passed the OSCP at like what, 16? Yeah, yeah, wild. I saw that on LinkedIn too, yeah. It's just some like middle school or early high school kid who's like, oh yeah, I got my OSCP. Yeah, when I was in, uh, I'm a little older than you. Uh, when I took like that, you know, you take like the pre-SAT or whatever and they try to predict what kind of human you're gonna be. Mm -hmm. um, they told me to go into business and management. I was like, <laughs> gross. Um, really wanted to go into the military, then found out I would never like have like a really cool job. Like the, the recruiter was straight up like, we're going to put you in an office. And I was like, damn it. No, not business. <laughs> uh, so then I tried teaching and that sucked. Um, didn't even know about any IT job. Like I, I knew computers like existed, obviously, but I didn't know people like were back in an office, like touching them and making them do cool things till uh, Frank got a job in IT. And, uh, and then I was like, wow, your job has answers constantly and you can keep getting better <laughs> at it incrementally. <laughs> like, uh, So that's why I switched into it. But like, honestly, in high school, 
I didn't know this was even a thing. I, I didn't know I could like do information security whatsoever. Women in STEM, or sorry, Society of Women Engineers, they do a thing called Girls Exploring STEM, so GE STEM. Mm -hmm. That's really cool. I like how it's, uh, I like to volunteer for that when I can. They pretty much give you a gaggle of girls. They're like uh, eight years old, or not eight, eight of them in sixth grade. <laughs> there we go. Oh, okay. Uh, they give you a gaggle of sixth grade girls and you uh, you go around and they have a bunch of women doing anything in STEM, uh, giving presentations. So you get to understand like it's more than just math more than medicine um you could be an hvac engineer and like the wild amount of thinking that goes into that to just kind of figure something out in this massive machine that's like almost the size of this room um yeah. that was honestly my favorite presentation there's this like tiny girl in uh in coveralls and she's like oh look at this and she shows a video of her crawling into the mouth of a machine and like trying to figure out which sensor was off and that is too cool wow yeah. I really like that program. It's it's and it's not very emphasizing. It doesn't emphasize gender too much. It really, is just you're here and here are people who are kind of like you and they're doing a wild amount of things that your teachers might not tell you about. <laughs> yeah, and sixth grade too. That's like a good time to because that's when kids start like thinking about those kind of things. Like, what, oh, a job. Okay. Yeah. Like when I got my first IT job out of high school, I was in sort of the same boat. Like what you were talking about. Like you just don't know what's out there. Like uh, I had a buddy, he was a year above me and he was like, oh, I just got this IT help desk job for Boeing. And I was like, oh, that's planes. Like, do you work on plane software or something? He's like, no, like it's a company where people have email and stuff. Like they need people to work <laughs> on that. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> I always think that's funny too. Like when I was looking for a sysadmin job, everybody would like ask, so what drew you to, uh, you know, Matchboxes Inc? And it's like, you run Active Directory and I'm good at that. Like, yeah. they would, I don't know. It's like, I, I don't care too much about your product. Sorry. Like, I can make your stuff run well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but you can't say that. <laughs> oh, I honestly would. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Huh. I guess it's like a, an interesting take and probably something they're like, okay, well, at least she's honest. I'm not about to lie to someone like, oh, I've always loved matchboxes. <laughs> I collect them. I rub them on my face at night. I just, I look at them constantly. Yeah, no. The tattoo. I have a service to offer you and you need it, so. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, so, but you're digging management stuff now? Yeah, yeah, somehow I did end, in, end up doing that 18 years or whatever after that stupid printout said I should. The prodigal daughter of management, I guess. Yeah. The PSAT knew you. Yeah, and it's hard to, like, I don't know if this is a just a thing, but I think, uh, I think if you're relatively clean and you show up to work every day, uh, someone's gonna shove you into management. Like they're gonna be like, you should talk to people and, and tell them what to do. It's like, all right, I guess. So in your role, do you deal with a lot of like healthcare specific stuff or does it feel just like a sort of IT job where healthcare comes up occasionally? So um, everything you do has to have the frame of, will it make us high trust compliant? Um, and is it according to HIPAA? So I don't know, for things like telemedicine, we're not gonna purchase something internally for users to use if it can't have a BAA assigned to it. Um, if we can't have a trusted agreement where maybe one day we could use it for telemedicine. So before you even like decide if you wanna do Microsoft and Teams and all of that, you have to look into what could it look like down the road if we wanted to use this for our clients and our patients. Okay, so there's a lot of like big picture considerations. Constantly. Okay. Um, Things like, you know, are we going to set a standard? Do we want only iPhones um, versus Android? And we have to build the business case for why these ones might be more secure than that one and, and mm. what the MDM is going to look like because we do have patient information sometimes that might come into contact accidentally. Yeah. Um, so you have to sandbox everything really well. And 
Yeah, network security, the network side of it is probably the most fun, especially trying to implement a DLP solution where you could actually monitor encrypted traffic. Um, that's when you actually get to look at like the really cool appliances. Nice. <laughs> I, um, I love doing restrictive policies like as much as I can. Love the idea of, uh, I don't know, just having something super locked down government style yeah so no that's my favorite out. part yeah <laughs> dlp is like kind of a fun concept for me sorry you can't get to spotify you can't get to i'm pretty hardcore about that really yeah. well i try to be <laughs> have you had any incidents with people like getting around it and you have to gripe at them um vpns and such so probably like the the biggest challenge uh being faced right now is trying to keep certain people off of certain networks um, without doing explicit Mac filtering. Mm. Oh my God, I'm not gonna, <sighs> Mac addresses on everybody's phone, tablet, personal device, work device. I don't really wanna mess with that. And Apple like, Watch, give me your Mac address. <laughs> there's not a better way around it though. Uh, currently, like with my current software, so now it's, it's fun to look at other wireless access point vendors to see, do you have something better than, than somebody in my office plugging in like hundreds or thousands of Mac addresses? Boy. So you talked about HIPAA and high trust and how that's sort of like a looming thing across everything mm -hmm. you do. What's your take in general on HIPAA and high trust? Like I, from my understanding, high trust is a little bit more rigorous, mm -hmm. but do either of them really do a great job or what's your take on them? So I'm starting to get a little jaded and this isn't uh, really my own opinion. So with anything like this, where you're offering a service to the clients, they'll do RFPs and regular assessments on, you know, what does the contract look like this year? Did you do, do you have any gaps in security? Like, tell us what it is. And so sometimes you can get a gold star, like a SOC 2 type 2 assessment or a pen test or a HIPAA certification or, you know, someone saying that you're HIPAA compliant or a, a high trust certification. I think I said that twice. Um, <laughs> so you can get these things and sometimes the clients will say, great, that's exactly what I was looking for. You passed with, a, you know, a clean opinion and all that. Sometimes they don't. And so they'll actually send somebody on site to ask you questions. So one of the people coming on site from like a huge, really well-respected entity said, uh, you know, he doesn't really, the reason they come on site is they don't really agree with the idea of getting that SOC 2 type 2 or that high trust certification because a lot of the times it's checking boxes. Mm -hmm. And depending on who you get to come to audit, uh, you can honestly really influence it a lot. You can say, I don't agree with the terms of this, um, so let's reword it and still get a clean opinion because essentially you are paying an outside firm 50 to $100,000. They want your business recurringly, so mm -hmm. they're gonna work with you a lot on that. Uh, some of these things I think are very useful. It, it is useful to at least create the standards and the best industry practices, but honestly with high trust, it's, it's rough. With HIPAA, you get a little bit of leeway. So they'll say that, they'll, they'll give you the idea of you can do what's most possible at this point in your life cycle as a company. So if you're a startup that's only two years old, you're probably not gonna have a full on DLP solution. You're probably not gonna have network access control or maybe the way your offices are set up, you don't even need it. Mm -hmm. um, for high trust though, they give you a larger amount of restrictions and you really do have to check the box on, we have this policy for that, regardless of if you're even running that system. So I don't know, I'm, I'm, I'm jaded on it right now, but it's not like I'm not gonna do it. <laughs> I right. have to do it so yeah and that's sort of how i feel about HIPAA and high trust too like they might not be the best but at least they exist uh, you know at least we've gotten that far with like mandatory stuff for healthcare because there's a lot of industries that don't have any sort of standard compliance at all mm -hmm. like you look at like 
uh, law stuff and like education, mm-hmm. there's not a lot of like real security requirements for universities and universities have tons of information on people. Yeah, university, a couple of my friends work for a university and they um, they laugh at the restrictions I can have with like my proxy filter and, and, and anything on my firewall. They'll say, uh, I couldn't get away with that here because we want free and open internet. We're researchers, damn it. Um, I, that seems like a nightmare to me. Yeah. I used to work in public education, um, nothing at the really cool high levels, but it was. it's honestly like a struggle to keep maybe 10,000 students from doing something weird to your networks and being able to detect it like across 10 or 15 sites. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, so what, what do you feel about um, like the ever uh, present balance between security and convenience. I mean, from what I've heard, that's one of the big struggles with healthcare specifically because you have doctors that, you know, they're, they're moving fast. They don't want to deal with two-factor auth and that sort of stuff. Like, what do you do to keep them on track? And have you received any, like, feedback about, no, we're too strict of a security team. We're damaging healthcare. Um, so for the most part, we, we really rely on the idea that there's an, a paper charting procedure. So if the network or power goes down or there are certain situations like our Florida office, they've had to deal with hurricanes. So they're really agile and they're they're able to paper chart and then go back and do things. So we try to really emphasize you can do your job and we'll figure out how to make it convenient for you after the fact. Um, but, you know, here are these procedures in case it is too restrictive. Um, luckily, with things like prescribing drugs, they have to have fobs with them so they, mm. they can, you know, have their activity tracked in a national database if they're going to do a schedule one drug or whatever. Um, so you can kind of bake things into that. It's no different than what you're already doing. It's just on your computer. Um, another thing though, analytics is a really big deal for healthcare companies. Every client that purchases your product, they wanna know exactly how many people are enrolled or visiting, like how happy they are. That's a lot of information that gets passed back and forth. Um, it has to be passed back and forth securely. And then people want it kind of on demand, which is rough. So instead of a nightly run, where you can monitor everything, make sure everything's going great. Uh, some people want like instant API access, like a constantly open, just let me push this to me. And that's that's a real challenge. Yeah. It's, it's really hard to actually deliver these types of analytics to people instantly, um, securely, in the format that they want. Like a lot of people will say like, can you just email it to me? Like, no, that's PII, that's BHI. You're gonna get it from the SFTP. Yeah, um, yeah. I'm not just gonna, you know, write it down on a sticky note and. <laughs> yeah, I think they would honestly love that. There, there are still companies too who we work with because um, we, we're not gonna turn down a client. We're, we're a healthcare company. We wanna make people's lives better. But some of these companies, they are not, they don't wanna give us email addresses. They're like, we don't even use email. So it's like, how am I gonna contact you, man? Like some of these companies just really don't have infrastructure in place to be able to deliver things securely in the way that they want. Wow. <laughs> so we have to like kind of train them on how to use an SFTP site or. <laughs> man. Yeah. <laughs> so is that something that you have like, a, I guess a subordinate manager that's like focused on that sort of stuff, like training clinicians? Or is that also your, like you have to go out and Google how to train a doctor and like. Well, since I'm a trainer, um, I do a lot of stuff internally. Um, and then I have a really great infrastructure team. Like it's not my team, like they're, but we're a team together. Um, and the infrastructure manager with that, like he'll he'll honestly like get in the weeds with it and train people or, or help set those things up, so. That's cool. Okay, so what about, um, you've talked about SaaS and stuff and how you're a big fan of, of that. Uh, what What are your biggest things, I guess, with cloud vendors or moving stuff to the cloud? Like what are the things you look for, I guess? 
Um, some of it can be really difficult. Uh, for instance, like with an electronical, electronic medical record software, um, some of our doctors will want to access it from their phone or their home computer and you have to like, no, <laughs> that's not okay. Um, but the companies are obviously, uh, what do you call it? Publicizing the fact that you can't do this. They'll mm -hmm. say, you know, respond to a patient request like from your tablet. Um, so we have to lock that down a lot. We have to honestly look at how can we geofence this, Mac filter this, um, maybe set log on restrictions like for times. That's the that's the real big challenge. And then also while we are looking at like, do we want to do a colo or do we want to go into AWS uh, when we migrate our data center? We uh, one of my people on the infrastructure team, the manager, he said that at his last company, they did a, a colo and they didn't have their own tenancy in it. Somebody else at the at that location was doing illegal operations. I don't know what it was. Oh. Um, they seized the entire center. Oh, no. Yeah. So he lost, honestly, his full shared drive, his uh, exchange server, everything in that one seizure because that company just wasn't doing secure practices. So whenever you reach out to them, like now we have to see if they're SOC 2 uh, certified or compliant uh, with HIPAA. Wow. It's a lot of assessing other vendors constantly. Like the, we're getting asked these questions and we turn around like the next day and ask somebody else the same question. <laughs> that's interesting. I never thought about that before. When we were doing the cloud episode with Brad, we were talking about, uh, you know, just the shared data and, you know, does your data then become the possession of the cloud vendor at that point? But I've never thought about that before. Like having someone else using the same cloud provider as you, they do something shady or illegal. The whole cloud provider gets taken down. Then you're at a loss. Like, yeah, that's rough. Wow. And you guys haven't had to deal something like that, like you personally, but. No, we've been really lucky with that. Um, and also seriously, the infrastructure team is really good at, at just kind of managing as much as they can. I mean, they don't really give you a lot of, we used to be in rack space, for mm. instance. They just don't give you a lot of transparency. They'll <laughs> say something random like, I can't set up this OVA. We don't support Linux. <laughs> we don't support Linux, huh? The like, hell you don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you want me to come over there? <laughs> yeah. That's funny. Um, okay, so what about pen tests? I mean, I guess I'm sort of like uh, jaded. Not not jaded. What's the word? I like pen tests, obviously. Oh, I really love pen tests. Um, that's one of those things, again, too, where I think the restrictions are maybe too loose. Where they'll say, did you get a pen test? They don't specify, did you get the remediation test back? And yeah. was it, did it, did you actually perform everything? What kind of pen test? Was it just an external? Did they just scan some things? Yeah, you give them <laughs> like, one IP, like your NAT IP. And yeah. <laughs> did you just update your password? Is that it? Yeah. <laughs> like, so, I think they really, uh, probably these entities should specify what type of pen test. I honestly dream of a day when I could do a full internal and not get super owned. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, yeah, I, I really advocate for pen tests. And honestly, just in general, like that whole thing on Twitter a couple of weeks ago talking about um, disclosure for TTPs um, and just other offensive tools. I, I'm a really big champion for that. I can't know what to defend against unless someone's actually telling me what's going to happen <laughs> if yeah. I don't do this thing. Yeah, you have to prioritize. Like yeah. You can't just patch everything all the time. No. And, it, it, you know, you're honestly running around with your head cut off if you're not actually thinking about what's real, what's going to happen. Like, yeah. And everybody wants the headline of being like the biggest next bug. And you have to like sort of try to dig through it and see if it's BS or not. Yeah, like that latest thing that just came out. Um the Windows update for yeah, the crypto thing. 
Yeah. Yeah. So for companies that aren't actually doing true white or blacklisting for their apps, doesn't it doesn't matter. <laughs> like yeah. you're still vulnerable even if you update that really quickly. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah, and there was like this big RDP gateway thing, and it's like, well, not a lot of people even use that. So like you don't really need to be that worried. My thing that I was more interested in is just the fact that it's the NSA disclosing it. Like normally the NSA would be like, ooh, that's fun. Let's make an exploit and keep it to ourselves. Like they've got better stuff than that. That's true. Yeah. They're like, got, take this. Maybe that's the point is that they're like, it's a distraction technique. They're oh, like, it's gotta be. Yeah. Like keep all the researchers busy with this like little crumb trail and we've got the big thing over here. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I'm like misguided in this, but Whenever someone's like, yeah, I only use DuckDuckGo to search for things, it's like, okay. Yeah. Like, they're not getting you in every other possible way. Or some of my friends, uh, they think I'm silly for having done the 23andMe and Ancestry. Because mm. they're like, what if the government uses your DNA to frame you, man? And it's like, yeah. if the government wants to frame me, they don't need my DNA. <laughs> They'll yeah. just make some shit up. Like, for real. I'm yeah. not safe from anything, no matter what I do. So. Yeah, I was talking earlier about how I was at the dentist and while I was laying there, I was thinking about that. Like, who's to say? I mean, like w the dentist might be putting chips in my teeth for all I know. So, like, why stress out too much about like, ooh, I don't want to Google yeah. <laughs> like the DuckDuckGo thing. Exactly. Yeah. Or uh, I don't know, like when you have your wisdom teeth out, like they'll ask if you want to keep them. No, I don't want that. I don't know where that went. Did they clone me? Probably. Yeah. No, no one wants this. Yeah. What are these jeans good for? Yeah. Short. No. Yeah. Huh. All right. Uh, what else? Well, I was thinking about uh, also uh, kind of on the same realm. So the thing that's going around with ConnectWise being targeted after I ran. Um, I don't know. It's been going around in my office because we have used it. Um, Nobody really reads the articles, and then some of these articles aren't really giving out the useful information of this. It's the way it was configured, and it's when MSPs are using it for unintended access. Like, any any software you buy is a vulnerability if you configure it incorrectly and aren't watching it. So, like, it's just frustrating to hear my manager go, like, I've heard of this before. Like, what is it? It's bad. And you have to sit down and explain because the article just did not do the due diligence of saying, like, no, it's because of this. They just want to get that that thing out there of like, here's the new vulnerability, and I'm the first one who said it, and yeah. everything's bad. Like, fuck ConnectWise. And it's like, no. Yeah. It's just, just fix your stuff. Yeah, everybody <laughs> wants that headline. <laughs> Nobody wants to give out like the real details. It's honestly just as bad as like your regular like Channel 9 news where they're like, is soap going to kill you? <laughs> For real, kids are doing this new thing called Taylor Swifting. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Taylor Swifting is just <laughs> writing angry songs about your ex. <laughs> I've been doing it since the end of time. <laughs> um, oh, there was something else that occurred to me. I guess let's talk about ransomware. Okay. And I'll think about what that other thing was while we talk about ransomware. Yeah. Ransomware is really, really common in hospitals. I mean, the WannaCry thing hit, I think it was London Hospital specifically, and yeah. I mean, all over America. What's your take on ransomware uh, payoffs? I mean, do you think people should do them? Oh, no. Never no? do. No. You honestly just need to have a good backup strategy and actually test them regularly. Like, actually restore. <laughs> um Honestly, I think if you pay, you're just making yourself a target. Like, it, yeah. they got some money out of you. They're going to come milk you later. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. Also, I'm, I'm just too lazy to understand how to buy a Bitcoin. If somebody ransomed me, I'd be like, <laughs> you found the wrong person because I'm not going to figure that out. Yeah, I've seen some of them. You just email the guy and they're like, I'm, I'm broke. I think you got the wrong guy. And they're like, oh, okay, well, here's the key. Sorry. 
Oh, man. So, I don't know. How sweet. Yeah, right? Like, they're what not... a nice attempt. They're not bad guys. They're bad guys, they're but, big. like, they're not pure evil. They got like a little the, bit. Uh, I like to think of them as, like, the Kip, the guys that Kit Boga talks to, the Indian scamming. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, calls them back, and, yeah. It's just some random person who was sold on this idea that, hey, you can make 100 bucks real quick. Mm-hmm. Just sit down and, and lie to someone real quick. Yeah. But um, I think the reason it uh, targets healthcare so much... Um, this is a big thing that I have to deal with and have been talking to people about disabling the ability to write to or read from removable media on computers. Um, like no flash drives, no DVDs or CDs, whatever. whatever. Uh, there are there are things in the world where you just never have to, I don't even own a USB drive. Like we have health information exchanges where you can securely transmit things from office to office via your EMR, um, secure electronic digital faxes. I hate the word fax. Um, <laughs> But these things can be shared in like a, a wild variety of ways. And yet I find when I just talk to other people in healthcare, they're like, yeah, but our specialists would be really annoyed if, if we couldn't accept images on DVDs from them. And it's mm-hmm. like, so I'm sorry, a smaller company that has worse practices is trying to dictate your larger company's structure. But like, you shouldn't be rolling over with that. Like, yeah, disable it. <laughs> I've heard that same sentiment from a lot of healthcare folks, though, is that like, it's the specialists, like the people like, oh, we have this neurosurgeon that's really talented that contracts for us and we don't want to upset him because then we'll lose his business. And and that's the part with HIPAA. Like, okay, so a smaller company that's been around 20 years but only has one office. Again, why would they have DLP? Like, it's two people, two doctors. Maybe yeah. it's like a, you know, they'll get past it in some way because they don't necessarily need it. Mm-hmm. But then these larger companies, again, will just stoop and they'll just take on whatever, like, the the lowest common denominator is doing and open themselves up. And it's like, all right, that smaller company, their breach is gonna be a lot smaller than your breach. And you probably don't have breach insurance or a budget to handle it. Like, are you at the stage in your company's life cycle where you can handle saying like, yeah, we messed up and 10,000 people's records got taken out. Like, right. I just, I have to explain that like constantly. Okay, they're small. For them, they could just rebrand and move to a different location, and it would be a very different thing than you right now with investors behind you. Like you yeah. have to care. You got a board right of directors now. that's going to be like, "Hey, uh. <laughs> yeah." That's the that's the nice and terrible thing about HIPAA. You can be compliant in many, many, many ways. Yeah, that's fair. I've seen that a lot with PCI too. Like they have these guidelines and a lot of it's up to the person that's getting audited and they can be like, like you were, we were talking about earlier, the, oh yeah, pen test. Well, here's our one IP and mm-hmm. that counts, right? And if, if you say, no, it doesn't count, we'll go to someone else that says it will count. Yeah. And with my SOC auditors, like uh, we were doing pretty okay. The only thing that they really brought back was the manager himself did not put in this person's employee access request. Mm. And I was like, baby, that's the CEO. He's not doing anything like he's got and and it was for his executive assistant. So, like, of course, someone from HR is going to handle this for him. He's busy as hell. He's He's not going to sit down and go like, yes, I hired this person. (laughs) Uh, So I had to argue like this was a qualified manager who is in charge of people Mm -hmm. um, putting in a request for access. He wrote the job description. This is obviously valid. And they were like, oh, you're right. And I thought it would be like a much harder argument, but on, I was paying these people to come in and assess me, and and for something that small, they just like, yeah, you're right. Huh. We're gonna we're gonna remove this gap for stuff like that. I think that's good. Yeah, it's just some people take it way too far. Well, it made me wonder, like, what are other people negotiating? Like, yeah, 
<laughs> what kind of things go on in the world that I'm not aware of? Yeah, right. <laughs> like, or, I don't know. I, I can't imagine what you could pull over on somebody because you are paying them a lot of money and they want to see you next year. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, I remember the thing that I was going to ask mm-hmm. about earlier. Uh, you've dealt with MSPs. You said you're not too big on them anymore, right? Like outsourcing yeah. to vendors. What are some of the like bad experiences you've had with MSPs? Like the worst? Okay. So this isn't at my company. Um, oh yeah, they're not on my, yeah, they're not on my LinkedIn. Sometimes if I work for a place and I just hate it instantly, I just don't put it on the LinkedIn. <laughs> so we're good for legal purposes. This is anecdotal. Um, so this one really large MSP, they work for a lot of like fortune 10 companies and they have like probably hundreds of thousands of personnel. Like they are huge. Um, sometimes they'll say, yeah, we can do active directory. Uh, management and they kind of just hire whoever and i i don't want to get super into the conspiracies but allegedly (laughs) it's really easy to get a cert for something in india or i think china as well like they'll just they'll boot camp you Mm -hmm. and with a like a two-week boot camp you're really not going to retain like that much it's a burn and churn yeah um so yeah, I got this one guy who said he was an AD expert with an MCSE. And I'm like, oh, I can't pass those tests. This guy knows his stuff. So I asked him across my company to uh, remediate SMB. They still had SMB1. So After he was dealing with it or? Yeah. Like, oh we're, my gosh. We're paying them. And so I was like, all right, you gotta, you gotta require SMB2. This guy tries to tell me you can't require it. You just turn it on. And so I sent him the, the Microsoft article where literally the setting says required. Yeah, MCSC, that's got to be covered in there. I mean, I've never seen or studied for the test, but that's like basic knowledge. Yeah, and I mean, I know this is silly to get, but he, he I don't know, he just explained it to me. He was just like, no, you, you can only enable it. So then I sent him the article and he called back. Like this, you? Called you? Yeah, this guy called me on Skype and, and was like, yeah, so I've been doing this for 10 years. And like he starts giving me the spiel. And so I was like, did you read the link? And he was like, I didn't see the link. And so I pulled it up because it was Skype. And it got so quiet after that. <laughs> like I show him like literally where it says required. And I was like, this is this is wild. Like the company sold us a survey. They sold us an expert in the field. And uh, I had to show him where in the article this is. And not only, I mean, the fact that SMB1 was still turned on. Yeah. So, like this was like a year ago, dude. That's wild. What about any good MSPs? Any any MSPs that you're like, wow, that was. It's a shame we got to get rid of them. Or I don't, I don't know. I don't think so. Really? And it might be bitter. Like one job I had, uh, we were outsourced to an MSP, but I just, I think, and I see it from both sides. Like if you are an MSP and you've got like ten clients, and some of these clients are not going to listen to you when you give a recommendation, so they're going to be at various levels of patching, updates, software, everything. Um, you have to memorize like a lot of different everything's hardware. I think it's really hard to provide good service like that. Like you can maybe have a favorite couple of clients that you really put a lot of effort into, but how are you going to really like turn it on for 10 or, or 20 or whatever clients? I, I think it's not fair to, to make people do that. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, as far as internally, the guy who manages the infrastructure at my place he's a wizard and we've gotten way better service from him than we ever got from things like rackspace 
And it's just nice to employ someone full time who actually cares. Like they're putting their whole ass in everything they do. Yeah. Their time's not divided. So I, I'm just a really big advocate for keeping it on site. I understand some companies are too small to have a full on DBA, maybe. Mm-hmm. Some are too large and you know, a matter of like trying to hire the right people might put them in a situation where they're overstaffed and overpaying, but yeah, I just I'm not I'm not a huge fan of MSPs. Huh. What uh I guess what stuff are you a big fan of? Like what are your biggest recommendations for organizations that want to be more secure? Like what are the top like three things they should probably be doing? Um, every employee should have a roadmap on where they can have success because uh, nobody wants to be in the same position for like 10 years and never have any education provided for them, any opportunity for growth or a change in title or even honestly just moving somebody to a different desk has a weirdly great like effect on their overall attitude. I think everybody should be focusing on actual employee happiness and where they can take somebody. You're going to get way more loyalty out of them that way. Um, so anytime you have like a help desk person, ask them if they want to do a cert, a degree, classes, um, what kind of technologies they want to work on, let them choose their own projects. Shadowing more specialized people, just all sorts of stuff. Cross-training is a big deal because not only is somebody else going to look at something and go like, dude, why aren't you automating this? Or why did you make that decision? Um, It just makes people feel really cool when they're like, yeah, I work on everything. Like I get to touch whatever in a day. And uh, I think it's really important to just to recognize the fact that People just want to grow and, and you you have the ability to let them. Mm-hmm. And then other things companies can do pretty well. Um, it, it, providing anybody a measurement has okay. a crazy good effect. Um, so like even KPIs if, and stuff, that sort yeah. of stuff? Okay. Yeah, so, uh, so a KPI is project towards a, a goal. So with that, if, you, if you're identifying like we want to answer more help desk calls than we did last month uh, with a quicker resolution time. Uh, greater satisfaction. If you just put up there, like we got four stars last month, people on their own are going to say, I want to get five. Mm. And I, I I really think that's underutilized. And some people call it, you know, micromanagement. It's really not to just build a dashboard, set it up there and let people see how they're doing. Like everybody wants to grow and do better. Yeah, no, I like that. Do you see yourself staying in IT specifically or do you think you're digging more just like management stuff in general and might go elsewhere? I don't know if I really like management so much as I like making the decisions and telling people what to do <laughs> and not being told what to do. Uh, I honestly really, really love DFIR. Um, mm. And I was thinking towards the end of the year, I, I would really like to get more into pen testing, like bundling things again. Like I know there's a pen test plus out there and one of my CompTIA certs is about to expire. CEH seems really attainable. I don't think it's even practical. Um, I think it's just questions. Mm. Um, maybe OSCP. But yeah, I want to get back into more technical stuff. The past like 18 months has been nothing really but management certs and getting a little burnt out. Yeah, no, that's fair. You got to keep like a balance. And it's hard too when you start studying things like human psychology and, and what someone could do to be a more effective manager. It's really hard not to look at your own management and think like, man, you didn't even notice like that I did this thing today. Like, why aren't we holding these meetings? Like, this could be more effective in this way. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't like thinking that much about things like that. <laughs> no, I vibe with that though. Like I've been, like I was talking about the Creativity Inc. book and yeah, I've been getting into that sort of stuff too, human psychology. Um, 
and not just like you were saying with looking at your own managers, but I'm just like looking at my friends and stuff and people differently. And I, I mean, it makes you introspect too. Yeah. It's really hard to start examining yourself like that too. Mm-hmm. Cause then you gotta go deeper. You gotta be like, why would I do that? Is it my, my childhood? Why am I thinking about this in the first place? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, there's a book that I'm wanting to read once I'm done with this Creativity Inc. If I can get through it, uh, is Thinking Fast and Slow. Yeah, have you heard of that? Yeah, yeah, that I, one's on the list. Yeah, it's on your list too. Yeah. yeah, it's it's on my list and it's been on my list for a while and I just keep pushing it back because other like more interesting stuff pops up. But this one, I think I'm finally gonna just like you know what? I need to read this one because I've heard other people reading it and they're recommending it to me now and I'm like ah, I gotta get it. Because I think about that a lot, like your impulses are way different than like your your reasoning. Like when you sit down and think about something versus like when you actually do it. Yeah. It's a different person. Really is like honestly, uh, or I'm noticing it now as I ramble, like a lot of times I'll start a sentence and I just kind of hope I find my way to the end. (laughs) Uh, I I did that a lot with teaching too, because it's like, all right, I've got to condense maybe networking into three hours. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh man, there's so many rabbit holes you can go down and like 20 minutes is not enough to touch the OSI model. And I didn't even tell you guys how DHCP works. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so sorry, I failed you. (laughs) And it's like, if you really did, if you took the time every morning to just kind of plan what you're going to do and maybe think for three seconds before you start the sentence. Yeah. No, for real. Um, okay, what about like team building exercises and conferences? I mean, I know that's really popular here. Coalfire does that a lot. We have the Hexacon thing that we do, which is really fun. Do you guys do uh, stuff like that, I guess, more on the blue team? Because it feels to me like a lot of the cons are very red team focused. No, you know, I honestly, I face this everywhere. Like I've, I've had a couple of jobs in the past year. Um, there's just not much of a blue team semblance. Mm, yeah, that makes sense. A lot of people will kind of put something off as like security restrictions. I don't want it. Um, it costs more money. I have to listen to something boring. And I mean, even the infrastructure side of things, everywhere I go, those dudes want to focus on their actual infrastructure job. And, and they don't really want to kind of blend the security side into it. So honestly, I'm, I'm always siloed. As far as technology as a whole, that has started encompassing a lot more things. So now you have like an apps team, an analytics team, the cloud team, like a lot of us don't even do the same thing, even though we're in the same department. So it can be, it can be difficult sometimes to actually get the team building there. Okay. That makes sense. Um, I want to talk more about the teaching stuff Yeah, because I really like teaching. Um, and I mean, do you have any like big tips, I guess, like how, how long did you teach for? Um, so I was a special ed kind of like junior teacher, paraprofessional, uh, for two years. And then I've always done just random trainings throughout, uh, my companies just because they know I have the competency. Um, probably total like actual in time classroom. I've probably taught for like four years. It's pretty fun. Honestly, you have to, it's that thinking fast and slow thing where you really have to think about what you're going to say and how you're going to deliver it. Um, that's something I'm still super working on. Um, try not to ramble, (laughs) (laughs) but it's really fun. And you get to learn something more too than you ever would have before. So I think like the nicest thing I've ever actually had to try to explain is, um, just cryptography in general. Yeah. That's one of the funner ones because you get to start way back at like steganography and, and rot ciphers and everything. And then pull up to what's the difference between a stream and a block cipher and, and what is cryptographic strength and what, why do key lengths matter? And mm-hmm. 
it's just kind of fun to sit down, pull out a subject, try to think if I was starting this from scratch, what would I need to learn? And then you get to watch people's faces or, you know, like the little knowledge checks is like their eyes brighten when Mm -hmm. they actually finally get a concept. That's really fun. And then being able to talk to them after they leave the course and see kind of have they scheduled another cert? Did they they get a job interview or a job? Um, One of my students decided he wanted to go to get his bachelor's in cybersecurity. Oh, cool. It's just kind of fun to see what they're working on. What drives people to like the boot camps? Uh, Is it they got a job and they're like, you have to go or? So they were pretty hardcore recruited as far as I was able to discern. Um, I think a couple of them were pushed into it by their jobs. And probably it's just a PD budget and kind of looking at the most bang for your buck. Mm-hmm. I think probably what really drew them into this one is that it was marketed really accessibly. Like if you have zero knowledge, we'll take you up to full knowledge or, or as much as we can within these six months. We're going to touch like 80 different uh, subjects. <laughs> There's honestly so many subjects. Um, I think another thing too is like the in-classroom environment. Because anybody can go to Barnes and Noble and buy like a, a technical book. Mm-hmm. It is so hard to find the discipline to actually read through these things, especially when you first start out and you read through a paragraph. And it's like, I didn't even understand five of these words. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think that's what it was. It's, it's the rapidness. You can do it after work. So many subjects and, and you're in person. Yeah. With, <laughs> like uh, professionals. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Oh, yeah. Um, so this sort of goes back to earlier. Uh outdated devices like medical devices i've heard that's one of the biggest issues is that like you have these life support systems running windows xp and there's nothing you can really do about it other than shelling out tens of thousands of dollars to get a new one yeah what's lucky for us is uh so we're direct primary care we don't typically have to deal with a lot of things that are maybe like running an mri or uh, uh outdated prescription dispensing piece of equipment. So it's kind of nice. There's not a lot of embedded systems or whatever, but I do pay attention to things like, um, you know, how pacemakers can actually be exploited due to some small flaw. Yeah. Um, and there was a, a debate I saw about it too on should it be free to get your pacemaker firmware updated? <laughs> Is it not right now? One person or one company or whatever was trying to charge for it. Wow. It's like, that is sketchy. Yeah, that's like a repo of the genetic opera type stuff. <clears throat> like, yeah. we'll come back and take your pacemaker from you. Yeah. For the most part, though, we're pretty, uh, a lot of things are still analog, your little blood pressure cuff, things like that. Um, it is just a human entering in values into a secure system. So I'm lucky in that way. I'm really glad I don't work for a hospital. That seems like a nightmare. Yeah, you guys are like primary care focused, right? Yeah, we have clinics across the United States and we're kind of a little benefit that people, or sorry, employers that have like a high deductible plan mm-hmm. can just add on. So you can go to our clinics as much as you want. You get direct support. Like it's the same doctor every time. They can handle almost anything. We do OBGYN. I think we're expanding into mental health care, which is still medical. But yeah, cool. (laughs) That's kind of fun. I I really like looking at my side of things as like a tower defense game. Yeah, (laughs) Like balloons. Like you just (laughs) stay out of here. Yeah. I love buying that dart monkey and putting him in the right exact spot and upgrading him, (laughs) getting that super monkey with the laser eyes. Um, Yeah, so I think that's really fun. I I don't don't even see it as a battle. I don't even see blue or red team or purple or whatever. Yeah. I study everything the same way. Um, A lot of my friends are pen testers or offensive or red team and just like like hearing like what's the latest thing that's coming on or what their day-to-day job is like. 
I'm really surprised at how even their jobs can be pretty dang boring. Yeah. <laughs> like you are just, you, you're running pretty much the same things and you're getting specialties. So it's a lot of repetition sometimes. You still have to interface with clients. Like it's just fun that there's not that much of a difference sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing about um, ethical hacking and pen testing. Like it sounds very sexy and very cool. And it's like, oh yeah, you get to be a hacker. And when I tell people like their eyes light up and stuff and I'm like, no, 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 no. Like it's a fun job. Don't get me wrong, but it's not like, it's not what it sounds like. It's not some TV job yeah, <laughs> where you're just goofing off and like, I'm in. <laughs> hacker typer type screens, like going like, I'm in the mainframe. Yeah. It's a lot of like, oh, this web app is really locked down and I'm hitting it with burp and just trying a million other things for the next week and a half. Burp. Yeah. Oh, dude. In my class, they gave the students VMs. Uh, and we had to do a burp fuzzing on, on a, I think it was DVWA. It was so funny. At the very beginning of that class, it's like, how many of you want to be pen testers? Raise your hand. And like 90% of them said yes. After the burp class, I still have like nightmares about it because I don't use it regularly. Like everybody though was like, no, fuck this. Because with the burp thing, like some of them upgraded to the new version and the mm. new version doesn't have spider and like, it just, yeah. oh, it was such a nightmare. <laughs> yeah burp 2 still gives me problems because that exact thing like some of the extensions uh, especially like the really good ones just haven't been updated yet to support the new version of burp yeah and then now you have burp enterprise coming out which is different and it's going to have apis so like some businesses are going to be paying burp pro and some are going to have burp enterprise and they're different and, ugh. yeah and my job is like 75 percent burp at this point like i do a lot of web applications <laughs> so that's always fun it blows my mind how like because I've taken classes that used it, but like actually trying to teach it across like a bunch of VMs where like everybody's on a different page and like, oh, that was, I, I really still have flashbacks. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty bad. Yeah. And there's too many options. Like there's bars on bars on bars and it's like, you have to click this one, go into this sub menu. I, I was teaching burp too um, at Black Hat. We did it in Las Vegas and, and London and it was the same sort of thing. Uh, and in London, we had people coming in from like Spain and France and stuff. So English <laughs> wasn't their first language. Yeah. So trying to explain stuff like, no, go to the options bar. And it's like, oh, there's two options bars. Which one? Like, yeah. no, now you're giving me flashbacks. Especially with some <laughs> of these things like, uh, you know, if someone's talking through just like the, I don't know, 30 minute spiel you give leading up to that, where it's like, here's what fuzzing is. And we're, this is the type of vulnerability we're going to look at. And here's what we're doing when we hit responder. Like if somebody is just talking through 30 seconds of that, the concept is lost. Like mm -hmm. you got to halt, you got to redo everything. Yeah. And then I thought it was funny too, like just teaching that class, like they'd ask random questions about like, all right, let's talk about web app fuzzing. And it's like, all right, I, my specialties are Active Directory, GRC and DFIR. And I know very little about pen testing. And they're asking like, uh, I don't know, like questions about like crack MacBook Zek. And it's like, yeah, I've read about it. It's a cool thing. I've never had to use this. Yeah, we'll talk about it later. Like, yeah, <laughs> like I can't right now. Or like they'd be like, yeah, so when in burp, it's doing this. It's like I have never in my life until now had to fuzz a web app. Like, <laughs> I don't know, dude. I studied this right before I came here. Yeah, <laughs> like, well, that's what's interesting about teaching. And that's why I really like it is it sort of forces you to really learn the subject. Yeah. Like this cloud talk that I'm doing, I... I have to, because it's like a general public thing, it's not like an industry training. I have to really think about the cloud and how to explain it in like the simplest terms possible. And it's hard. Yeah. Like, these are concepts. And sometimes I really hate it when there's not a word for the thing you want to describe. Mm -hmm. You have to give like a, a concept. Yeah. 
like a platform as a service yeah. that version of the cloud like the best thing i've come up with right now is that software as a service SaaS is like it allows you to consume platform as a service allows you to create so like some of the more i guess mainstream versions of a platform as a service would be like facebook and blogs and stuff because you're using someone else's computer to publish your work so i mean the what i guess more it industry people would consider platform as a service would be like github and elastic beanstalk like creating applications and stuff but the average person doesn't think about that kind of stuff so you have to explain it like oh like soundcloud that's kind of a a paas right because you're not hosting your own music you're doing it on a cloud provider and that's why it's called soundcloud like it's (laughs) (laughs) that's a pretty good way of describing that yeah so that's i mean it makes you think about that kind of stuff and i heard you had a similar experience when you were teaching your classes is like and you were just saying it like i've never done this before i had mm-hmm. to like brush up on it like you were teaching python coding and stuff too yeah i'm not great i mean that's one of the things i definitely want to do in the coming months is just get better at it I've taken probably like five python classes in my life i have all the books <laughs> have you done the sans gpic or the no i'd like to i took that one and i really really liked it like i went yeah. in knowing very little about python and came out like feeling pretty competent well i think the main thing is you you don't have to be creative but like the best way to learn is to actually build something you want to see happen and learn how to use python to do it yeah and see through it like see it through all the way until it's finished yeah dude i've never had an original thought in my life Mm -mm. i don't know what i want me neither and then i'll I'll think like all right let's make like a i don't know calculator and i think someone's done it though like why am i doing this if somebody else has done it yeah this is boring like maybe i can just read somebody else's code and get the same nope it's different like (laughs) or actually uh the project euler that made Euler. me try or uh, i always say euler i don't know what either of them are i don't know what you're um, talking about so e-u-l-e-r i think euler he was a mathematician really great one and he had all these he, he published all these kind of riddles i guess okay and they're a lot easier to get through if you actually learn how to code okay oh is it stuff like every fibonacci like weird little math riddle type things yeah it'll be something odd like only print every seventh prime number from this given field set and you have to figure out and and maybe do it without a loop you have to figure out how to get through that hmm that's fun yeah yeah the gpic had little stuff like that there's a book that i picked up that i never went through um automating the weird stuff with python i think yeah i have that or uh, impractical python pro- it was something like that yeah, yeah and it was from a uh, starch no starch yeah yeah no starch by the way shout out no starch oh yeah, my god i love no starch no starch is what got me in like into this stuff because the books are fairly accessible and cheap yeah like hackers playbook i think is no starch and they're on no- humble bundle a lot yeah yeah you can like 15 bucks get like five <laughs> amazing no starch books yeah have you seen the new humble bundle video game that's coming out no it's called tim tim it's like pokemon really yeah it's like an indie pokemon game all right humble bundle's putting it out i never got into pokemon i I played pocket marty's for a while i'm surprised there's not more gamers in like this industry like that's how i got in was like i was playing video games on the computer and that naturally turned into like my video game's not working what do i do and fix the computer or how to cheat yeah yeah exactly how yeah. to cheat oh you edit this dot i and i file it's like oh okay what's that a dot, dot comp file oh okay yeah so mm-hmm. <laughs> i Strange. don't know i'm not really a gamer like the last game i downloaded or second to last it was a help desk game <laughs> a help desk game yeah it really just it gives you a desktop and like skype basically and people ping you and they ask you questions about 
and I was like, what am I doing with my life? I honestly played it for like five hours and got promoted and I was like, cool. And then I stood up and like, it really hit me. I'm like, you are, this isn't good. I was just pretending to work. For <laughs> I was pretending to do a job I didn't want to do 10 years ago. That is so funny. <laughs> yeah. You listen to Joe Rogan? Yeah. Have you seen the Graham Hancock episodes? Um, no, I honestly, I pick and choose. Me too. Yeah. Graham Hancock is like a real life Indiana Jones and he's been on like three times now. All right. He does that exact thing. He like goes to South Africa and he says he found the Holy Grail or he found this like um, group of people in Africa that say they have the Holy Grail and they're like, no, we can't let you in. And he like, he couldn't go in and bust in and take it. Like they would have killed him. Yeah. It was just him there. He was like, well, but they say they have it. And you know, <laughs> it's interesting. Cause I like to imagine you could probably infiltrate whatever you want, but like, Something that intense, people guarding the Holy Grail. Like, I don't know what social engineering it would take. Mm -hmm. I don't even, it makes me want to though. Social engineering is such a weird topic too. It really is. Because it's totally possible that that type of stuff, like someone could infiltrate a company. Like what if Jeff Bezos really is a lizard man and he just like everybody comes to AWS and then he shuts it all down. Like who knows? You know, it's pretty wild. I mean, honestly, the insider threat is something you're really not going to get past. I mean, yeah, all these bodies and governances will say drug tests and background checks like no it's not enough mm -mm. the most malicious people are going to be like totally clean and then it, it becomes like a thing like all right so let's say somebody who has like a hundred fifty thousand dollar in credit card debt mm -hmm. maybe they're likely to steal some medical records but like i'm not going to know that and i'm not going to ask for their credit records like i'm not going to profile people and be like you look like you have money problems or like <laughs> you seem sketchy and impressionable yeah you just kind of have to deal with it and do other things well and people always suspect the insider threat in, or, in an organization is like that like the drugged out new guy or whatever like the janitor's gonna hack or something like no i was looking at some statistics for executive breaches yeah. it's something like 30 percent of ceos when they leave an organization takes something with them that they shouldn't have like maybe not millions of dollars worth of credit cards or whatever like it's not like that all the time but it's stuff like trade secrets it's like a third of ceos will do that well how is that like a, a senior management security like an ISA or an isaka i don't remember meetup and one guy was saying um he keeps tabs on all of the companies that he used to work for they still have like his email open like it's just kind of wild yeah like he could, if he wanted to, probably social engineer those companies and say like, hey, can you, that, that typical CEO scam, can you wire me $3,000 or you know, get me some Google Play gift cards? Because <laughs> like, it's literally your CF, CEO, your old one, mm -hmm. on his email. Like why wouldn't, Yeah. There's no, uh, there's no banner in the world to say like, this came from a weirdo who doesn't work here anymore and he's now <laughs> malicious for whatever reason. Or even if his phone gets hacked, like some people take their, I don't even get me started on like access control. Like some people will take their laptop. I'm getting you started on it. Yeah, because like not everything in my job is is glamorous at all. Like I have to care about onboarding and offboarding. So it, did a job description exist before this person was hired? Did mm. they understand what they're supposed to do? What does the training look like? Did they finish it on time? I've been at places where they like, do we have to do security training every year? <laughs> yeah, Jane, we got to do security training every this year. This is stupid. And then like uh, hearing like a week after the fact, oh yeah, Maria quit. Like. You cannot tell me a week after the fact. Like, did yeah. you get her card, her access card? Did you change the keys? Did you change the codes to the facility? Like, does she still know the the how to turn off the alarm panel? Mm -hmm. Does she still have her prescription fob? Like, you cannot do this. Does she have her phone number where it's published that she is working for us and she can take these patients? Like, 
Yeah. Nobody really wants to do the gross things of, yeah, did you get her laptop? Like, I know she's sobbing and whatever, but, like, where are her keys? <laughs> yeah. Like, you really do have to do It's hard, right? But, like, it's necessary. Same thing with, like, um, when people die, stuff gets stolen. Like, I had a coworker um, who, he had a whole trailer. He moved from, like, Maryland or something to Colorado. He had a trailer full of a bunch of stuff, and it got stolen. And it's, like, tens of thousands of dollars, like, military medals and stuff. Like, it's so sad, but also, like, your company laptop, let's get that reported and filled out. Like, you got to do a form on top of the police report now. Mm-hmm. And it's, that's scary, too. People get, because some people don't even bring it up. Like, they get their phone stolen, their laptop stolen, they're scared. They don't want to, like, get in trouble. So they don't say anything. And then, and then intelligent policy implementation around that. Like, of course, you don't want somebody to just, like, frisbee it out the window so they get a new one uh, (laughs) ahead of like the recycle time oops it fell so then maybe you write in like all right the third time you mess this up we're gonna take it like we're gonna charge your manager try to like dock you or charge you for it make something up (laughs) then people get freaked out about that and you have to explain like this is for the extreme outlier Mm -hmm. because people will they won't they won't bring it up they'll think they'll get fired or whatever it's like no i literally just don't want to write a breach report just tell me immediately so I can lock it. Like, please. <laughs> yeah, I don't care. <laughs> also, maybe you shouldn't live where you live. We had this one girl. She got, like, her purse, her phone, her laptop stolen in the same week on different days. Oh, no. It's like, baby, move. Yeah. <laughs> Do you want to stay with me for a while? Like, I don't want you walking around out there. <laughs> yeah, wherever you are, you're not supposed to be there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's rough. Yeah. I just want to not let you off the hook with a hard answer on the ransomware thing. Yeah. Uh, If you don't have backups, like obviously you should, right? If you don't and you have no other choice besides either A, lose all the stuff that got encrypted or pay the ransom and hope to God it follows through, you think it should do it? Like, I think it depends on your actual structure. So if you're doing software as a service where, I mean, I don't host my electronic medical records. I leave that up to people who have like a way bigger distribution center, CDNs, like they have an amazing infrastructure. If you are hosting on-prem, probably you do have to pay. Hmm. If you have literally no other option and you messed up that hard, I guess. I don't think it's good. And I think if you do pay, you need to immediately try to reiterate like, all right, I was dumb this one time, but like, don't come back for more. And then close the gap, get the backups, never do it again. Yeah, I've heard of companies that have paid a second time. And Oof. it's like, what? Why? Yeah, that's rough. Why though? Mm-hmm. Maybe they just did some numbers, and they're like, "Ah, uh, well, hiring a security team would cost this much, and paying ransomware every two years would cost this much, and <laughs> maybe we just pay." And honestly, that frustrates me too, just to kind of like silo it into security, like looping back to how you know not a lot of people in IT are even thinking about it. I just, I want all infrastructure admins of every sort to always be thinking about the security part. Like, it, it's unavoidable. And developers, too. Like, yeah. bake security into everything. You really can't get away from it. This is just the world now. Like, I'm sorry that for whatever reason you have a bad perception of it, but it's honestly really fun and it's pretty easy. Yeah. Now, I've got a buddy that's a developer who's like focused on like ASP.NET, Windows stuff. Um, and he's designed a couple apps and he's like, Hey, could you take a look at them and just make sure that they're like secure, not an official pen test, but just like poke around. I'm like, yeah, dude, you're doing great. And he's like, okay, well, I took a secure coding class, like as part of my degree. Like, okay, cool. That's yeah. what everybody should be doing. Always. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm back to that. Like when I tried to get a degree, like I, I think I did sign up for computer sciences originally. And the very first class they gave me that was like core, 
was Java. Java is always like taught as the first coding thing. It's so weird. Instant turnoff. Yeah. I fully switched my major after that. System.net.import. <laughs> Yuck. Yeah. But nobody was saying security or anything at all. Like, I wish that had been the first class I was given. And it, honestly, it really should be the first class you get yeah. when you're doing a computer sciences degree. Well, when I got my cybersecurity degree, I just have an associates too. So, like, maybe it got cooler after that. I don't know. But I doubt it. But, like, it was a lot of, like, cybersecurity law, cryptography 101, which is interesting. But they were having you do these weird exercises. Like, okay, today we're going to do, we're going to AES encrypt your name by hand using your birthday as a key or whatever. It's like, okay, cool. Now I know exactly how AES works. Am I ever going to remember this? No. Or need to. Yeah, never. I honestly wish it was more practical. I mean, that's what kind of what I liked about the boot camp. Um, they introduced everything at a kind of top level mm. so that if you knew that you didn't care about cryptography, fine, focus on the DFIR or the pen test unit. Yeah. Um, and then delve deeper into that based off of these resources. And then we were talking about pen tests earlier. You said something about getting owned internally. Have you ever had like any really wild pen test stories, like anybody take down the EMR before or anything like that? Um, as far as I know, no. I mean, maybe they could misreport an outage. Like I wouldn't mm. know because <laughs> I, again, when you're, you're selling away the hosting, like I have no transparency on that. That's fair. Um, and I don't want it. <laughs> <laughs> don't talk to me about the MER or EMR. Um, I don't know as far, like I, I have permission to do my own internal tests. And so sometimes I'll try to see like what I can break on my laptop. Nice. It's kind of fun. I, I honestly do that everywhere I go. I'm trying to think of what I can say legally. Yeah, right. Like, uh, oh, yeah, we got boned with this and that and everybody. <laughs> well, I would say, because um, I, I doing those ISA and ISACA things, trying to rack up those CPEs, boy. Um, <laughs> it's just funny to be at a table of senior leaders and one guy will pull out like, yeah, so we're going to do a pen test this year. And, and you hear him say it's an external network. And it's like, yeah, all right, whatever. <laughs> You probably have way better stories than me on this, but I don't know. They'll pull out things. There's a lot of oopsack at, at things like that, where it's like, yeah, we just started doing vulnerability assessments every quarter, and it's made all the difference. And it's like, wow, please don't say that out loud. Please mm -hmm. don't. Oh, God, you're going to say what date it is, isn't it? And then they'll like go on and say, like, yeah, we're doing it this week. It's like, Stop yeah, we it. just upgraded the Windows version, this, this, this. and <laughs> Or uh, one of my favorites was, uh, yeah, so we're going to start patching soon. We're going to start patching soon. And he started asking me about like SCCM and all that. It's like, oof, you're a bigger company. This is it an industry convention, like a con people were talking, which is nice. So like at least other people can be like, you got to do this. Yeah. But it, it's just kind of sad to see. And I mean, it's great that they're even coming like cool yeah, that they even came. Good. A lot of the times people who need those types of messages don't even like get out the door and come to the thing. So, yeah, but yeah, a lot of fun questions, a lot of like. So what is HIPAA? And like you're explaining it to a person who's like really senior and it's like, wow, it's cool that you've never had to deal with this before. <laughs> Congrats. <laughs> yeah, like I want your life. <laughs> cool. That's all I got. Yeah, well, thank you for coming. This has been fun. Yeah, thank you. All right. And thank you for listening, listeners. Yeah. Happy Colcast. <laughs>